All right. Last week we were asking the question, is Christmas really about giving? And, it, and it's uh, so funny because uh, the whole Christmas holiday as we know it was actually an adaptation in the fourth century to uh, adapt to uh, Saturnalia and uh, kind of the pagan uh, holiday of taking a week to celebrate the solstice. And so in, as people were coming to Christ uh, back in the fourth century, the, the, the Roman Catholic Church said, well, we're going to lose them during this time, so let's just take the birth of Jesus and make it on December 25th. And a lot of people get hung up on that. Well, because we don't know the exact day. Could have been in spring, could have been in the fall. But one thing I know is Christmas, the day that Jesus was literally born was about 380, or it was within 183 days either way. And so, it, so Christmas time is a good time to uh, celebrate it as far as I'm concerned, you know, because it does, uh, does allow us to see the emerging light of Christ and some cool stuff. But, you know, just so that we're not deceived, it wasn't, this holiday wasn't started as a believer's holiday, it started as a heathen holiday. And then it became Christian, and now we have to keep it Christian. And many people will say this. In fact, there were whole societies that were birthed, you know, uh, one society that was against uh, unnecessary giving. It had prominent people. I think even a former president or so was in this group. You know, so some people are against the giving. Uh, Some people are against giving because they're tight. I used to know a man that way. It was me. But no, I had other reasons. But, you know, some people don't want to give gifts because, you know, that, that is an act of kindness to go and think of someone else and spend money on them. And then there are others that go to extremes. So we've seen that, that, that many people would say, well, man, Christmas has become so secular and so much about materialism. Believe it or not, in 1914, they were complaining about that. So it's not something that's brand new. But was it, in fact, about giving? Yes, it was all about giving. And so last week in the teaching time, we were reviewing the fact that everybody involved in the, um, in the, the first Christmas, the, first, or the birth of Jesus, were involved in giving. The angel was giving a promise. The father gave the son. We see that, that uh, Mary had to be willing to give up her reputation and, and, and to bear uh, a baby as a surrogate mother Joseph had to give up humility and faith and, and obey the voice of the Lord. And so there was a lot of giving at Christmas. So uh, for me, that helps me to focus on Christmas and say, yes, uh, don't feel bad when you're buying useful things for people that you love. My wife showed me one time, she said, honey, you're concerned about the materialism, but look at what we're getting. We're getting coats and we're getting shoes and we're getting practical things that, that we would be getting throughout the year that we can put them in bright uh, packages and have a hoot and a holler and a good time. So yes, Christmas is about giving. Isaiah chapter 9 uh, tells us that unto us, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. God gave the son. I like what Galatians says that in the fullness of time, you know, uh, that God sent forth his son, uh, born, born of a woman and born under the law. 
to redeem us. So giving is, is so powerful. Well, this morning we want to talk about Jesus as the gift package and about hearing some of the promises that he's given uh, and, and how do we open up those, those packages. Um, obviously, if God's greatest gift package was wrapped up in that little boy, baby boy, we need to see what he brings. What gifts did Jesus bring us and how can we open the packages? First of all, I want to establish a doctrine, and that doctrine is that God, Father, is the world's greatest giver. James chapter 1, verse 17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Now there's a kind of a false sub-doctrine that runs through uh, Christian circles sometimes, and that is that Father God is primarily mad at people, and Jesus is the one that kind of, uh, he's, uh, you know, scurrying you behind his skirts, and, 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 and he has taken and shields you from the wrath of God. That's not exactly the way it worked. Jesus said, I was sent from the Father. See, the Trinity was completely involved in the incarnation and, and uh, the, the, the manifestation of Jesus and the death and resurrection. Father sent the Son. Father's the one that wanted you in the kingdom. If Father hadn't wanted you, you wouldn't be in the kingdom. So you're not in the kingdom because Jesus shielded you from an angry Father. That's not the way it works. Sin is an offense to the whole Trinity, trust me. Okay, and, and, and the triune God wanted to save us and ergo all of the rest. But every good and perfect gift comes from above. Now, this is what I find that people who are Christocentric or, or uh, they're, they're, they're God-centered in their thinking, uh, they realize that, that every good thing that you literally have in your life came from God. So they, they attribute their career to God, they attribute their marriage to God, they attribute uh, a safe delivery of a baby to God. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. And the people that are what I would call marginal, they marginalize it to only, uh, only a small narrow band of good things could come from God. Some people don't want to interact with the living God, they don't want to hear his voice, they don't want to be led by the Spirit. And, and yet they want to go to heaven, and so they want to marginalize it to that all that God's about is to get you to heaven. If that was God's goal, the only people that would survive would be evangelists. The rest of us, the minute we got saved, would be caught up into heaven. Wouldn't it have been easy? Yes, I believe in Jesus. Next, streets of gold. This is amazing. Rolex watch immediately. Whatever. So the purpose of God was not just to, to get you out of here as a believer. The purpose of God was to raise a family that, is, that looks like dad and to uh, transform us into the image of God and, and, and to um, uh, continue to bring his kingdom on the earth. Jesus came with the express purpose of being Father God's greatest giver. The greatest giver outside of God himself is God in flesh. It makes sense. Jesus. I'm going to be reading, I'll state uh, the gift and then the, the verse to uh, back that statement. Redemption. Jesus comes to bring redemption. Mark 10, 45, words of Jesus. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, 
but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Second thing Jesus came was to give us dominion over Satan and his demons. In Luke 19, he said, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Third thing he came to bring us was living water. In John 10, 28, he said, And I give them eternal life, and they shall, excuse me, let me back up. I, I just blended two, two points here. Number three was living water. John 4, 14. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Number four, eternal life. John 10, 28. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Number five, Jesus came to give us peace. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give, you, give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Number six, answers to your prayer. In John chapter 16, verses 23 and 24, it says, and in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. How many of you think that Jesus has a package of, of gifts? Sure, sure beat Santa Claus. Bulky load. I've always wondered how that one bag of toys is going to surface. Some kid's getting ripped off is the way I estimate it. You know, with that Santa Claus bag. But Jesus' bag is completely bigger. Okay. That was the humor for the day. I hope you liked it. I might make that, uh, that book. <laughs> the smallest book in the world is, is notable German comedians. Yeah. Really tiny. Okay. He came to give the knowledge of the glory of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Wow. Number eight, he came to bring healing and deliverance. Matthew chapter 8, verse 16 and 17. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. I want to pause on this for just a second. I was thinking of another sermon that I'd like to preach called I won't close my mouth. Because if there was ever a year where this promise of God was challenged uh, in, my, in my sight, in my hearing, was believing and, and, and not receiving healing for some of the brothers and people that we, uh, we love. And, uh, and so as I was worshiping, I just determined that one, I'd like to preach on it. And my declaration is this 
that when you suffer contradiction of things that the, that the Bible uh, clearly promises or ostensibly promises and you come up with seems to be like sand in your hand, uh, the devil would love to silence you. Uh, but Jesus is the high priest of our confession. He can only offer to the Father what, what, what we confess. And, and we must confess God's word at all times. If people around me fall away into sin, that doesn't mean that salvation failed. It means that I double down on my confession. I put my trust in Jesus as the full agent and broker of my salvation. I trust him alone and not even myself or any works that I could do. How many of you know that we confess? I confess that Jesus is my healer. Jesus is the healer. And as it was fulfilled, okay, look at these scriptures right here. Go back to verse 16. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. So what Satan would want me to do is to be quiet. We've had years where we had notable miracles. People with uh, people that even I prayed for over the phone. My sister Cindy had a, a co-worker that said, would your brother pray for my, my brother who's over in Lincoln City, I believe it was, and he was just on his deathbed. And I just prayed over the phone, and the guy was completely delivered. Okay. And, 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 and then when you're praying for someone you really dearly love and it doesn't seem to work, then all of a sudden you go, okay, I won't, I won't talk about that anymore. Well, I want to tell you something. I'm coming out of the closet. I'm going to keep talking on the promises of God. And he was healing and casting out demons that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. The context was healing and freedom. We need to believe for people that are, uh, have what, what the world labels as mental illness. I've been asking the Lord, Lord, help us to see people that come in here just out of their mind, see them delivered, restored in their right mind. Just a, just a thought. <laughs> I think the church that Jesus came to establish is a supernatural church. I mean, it's, it's based on, 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 the, on the virgin birth and the resurrection from the dead. So we should be believing for supernatural things, to be completely free of sin and addictions and, and see him heal our bodies and, and do all those other good things. This is part of the package in Jesus' pack here. And then there's a compilation that I acquired from Psalm 103. Psalm 103, verse 2 through 5 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. Now David's talking to his inner man. How many of you know that you have to talk to your inner man? Um, many of us, we learn to chime out Christian, Christianese answers. And we learned it from Sunday school on, you know. Who loves you? Jesus. Who, who wants to lead you? Jesus, you know. Who wants to take you to Disneyland? Jesus, you know. Oh, it got me off the hook then. <laughs> no, but anyway... But, you know, there's a difference between what you learn in your thinking and what you know in your inner man. You know, Peter addressed it as the hidden man of the heart. The hidden man of the heart. Uh, secular psychologists call it uh, the subconscious. 
So much of what we do is in the subconscious level, we just reflexively, we believe things, we cling to things, we hold on to things, because it's in the solical subconscious level. And David was trying to instruct his subconscious and saying, and, or the soul, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Why would he have to remind himself to forget not the benefits, because when we live our life in, in, in 2018, we only have a little bit left before this year's over, and we start 2019, and I, you know, I can predict something. 2019 is going to be awesome, and there's going to be road rash. Okay? Let, let me just say this. Without being a super prophet, you probably will be cut off in traffic. You will find that the traffic in Medford has gotten amazingly busier, even in the non-holiday times. Uh, someone might bug you. Some politician might do something you disagree with. There's a lot of things you kind of know without having to prophesy it. It's called experience. And because, road, because there's road rash, there's resistance as we live. There are things you, you, you can deal with fatigue or tiredness or everybody in the family gets sick for a period of time pointing down at Josh and Julia man what a what a rough couple weeks you guys just had and it's easy just to forget and get have your mind focus on the negativity or the problem at hand say problem at hand it's easy to focus on that and and David was saying not my soul so you just get, get in line and, and don't forget the benefits of the Lord. And he begins to list some benefits, which many of these correspond with the ones I've already read, uh, uh, spoken. Who forgives all your iniquities. Wow, isn't it great that he gets 100% and not 97%? The three fatal ones I'm not forgiving. No, no, he, he forgives them all. Who heals all your diseases. What? Yeah, it's there. Who redeems your life from destruction? Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies? Isn't this a great, great end of year and a great new year? Let's just nail each other with, crown each other. I want to crown you, Van. Van, I want to crown you with loving kindness and tender mercy. You want to take it? It's like grandma spanking. You ever seen grandma spanking a paddle? It's foam. Until they really bug you, and then you get the other one out. But anyway, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with um, good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Think of it. God wants us to be eagle sharp, renewed in that time of, of uh, fascination with him. You know, the story of the eagle was it would get up on top of a rocky crag, and it would just molt completely, completely look just naked, bedraggled. And while it sat there, then the new, the new pin feathers came out and then it, it, its plumage came and all of a sudden that older eagle would begin to fly and it would look like it was new. And that's what the Lord wants to do this, this time is he wants to come in and restore our soul, build us up, refresh us so that our strength is renewed like the eagles. How do we open up these gifts? According to Jesus, the biggest work that we could ever do to work the works of God is to believe on, in God's promise and provision. 
John 6, 29, Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Let me just say this. Christianity is us entering into him. It's being for, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. There's like a, like a dual envelopment that God wants to do in our life that you're hidden with Christ who's surrounded by Father. Talk about a cushion against the storm. But many times we want to stand outside of the Son and outside of the Father and prove to God how faithful we are. Watch me, Lord, as I serve you. He said, I wasn't looking for people to just do acts to imitate what I would do. I want to work through you. For this comforter that I will send, he'll be with you and he will be in you. I want to show you God. No, no, no. That's always a bad start. God, show your glory through my life. Through, through the simple things and the more confusing things and even through the rough times. Lord, Lord if, if, if it seems like this has been a rough year, Lord, I pray that someone around me was encouraged if they saw faith and patience. How do you know that even through storms, people can shine the light and, and, and bring glory to, to God. And Jesus said, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. God's promises, number two, God's promises are positive declarations that he puts his name and reputation behind. Second Corinthians verses, uh, verse 1, 19 through 20 says, For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you and as God's ultimate yes, he always does what he says. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with the resounding yes. And through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. Wow. <laughs> Psalm 138 verses 2 to 3. I bow before your holy temple as I worship. I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness, for your promise are all are backed by all the honor of your name. Uh, the old King James says, for you have exalted your name, exalted your word even above your name. And the newer translations render it, it's backed by the honor of your name. God doesn't lie to you. That's what, you know, if you, if you went through Christmas and there was all kinds of presents for you, but, but it was mislabeled, and, and you didn't get your presents, you'd be going, wow, that was, uh, you know, it's a good idea. You know, the turkey was good, you know, or the whatever you have for Christmas. But where were the presents? You know, as Clara Pellers would say for Burger King, where's the beef? <laughs> well, the same thing happens if you're living your life without opening up the packages that Christ has for you, you could be thinking, man, I'm not sure. I'm just waiting for heaven, I guess. Well, we're supposed to have a little bit of heaven on earth. Your kingdom come, you, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we see here that his promises are backed by the honor of his name. Number three, actively receive the gift by responses that, that go from mental assent to actual drawing on the virtue offered. 
Isaiah 12, 3 says, therefore with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. You, you got to draw. You're going to have to draw. I'm going to have to draw on the goodness of God. You single people that are praying for a mate, come out of the closet. Oh, I'm so content being, being single. I'm not. I wasn't. I, and I, I made the mistake in public one time in Portland when I was up there. And I go, I, you guys are always saying you're content. I don't. I think singleness sucks. I want to be married. Five girls came up after the meeting and offered. I said, no, no, that's not working well. And then God sent me to the Bay Area for Kim, you know. But I think sometimes we're ashamed to just say, hey, you know, maybe you won't do it like Wendy Grogan or Wendy Acup did, you know, a few years ago. Hey, God told me I'm going to marry my, meet my husband by the end of the year. And then December 29th that year, finally it happens. <laughs> finally, Buddy began to obey the Lord reluctantly. But anyway, I think sometimes we've got to draw. Lord, it's me. It's me. I'm as lonely like cutting a knife through my soul. Hear my prayer, O oh God. I'm not going to charge you foolishly, nor sin with my lips. But you, Lord, you know those things which I desire. Come on now. Prayers unspoken often re re remain prayers unanswered. Prayers unspoken often remain prayers unanswered. Let me just sit down and listen a little bit. I think it's good. Amen. Prayers unspoken often remain prayers unanswered. You've got to draw on the waters and the wells of salvation. And there's more than one well of salvation. There's the salvation of your soul to go to heaven. There's the salvation of your body, which is physical healing. All kinds of wells. We see in, in Mark chapter 5, uh, verses 25 and following, it says, A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. Now, I, my doctors don't like hearing that. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe... I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? In other words, everybody's touching you. But see, everyone can be touching Jesus and not touching Jesus. There's a touch of draw, and there's a touch like, hey, go for it. You're cool. Right. High five versus I need, I need that power from within you, Jesus, to heal me. But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. <laughs> I love Jesus. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. you got to draw on those promises. That's why we listed them. 
In conclusion, believe it or not, let me quote Jesus. Jesus is a great expert on Jesus. In John 10.10, he said, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Let's all stand together. One of the biggest challenges as believers is to quit looking in the land of the dead for life. There was a situation where Jesus had raised from the dead and, and a few of the ladies were there and the angel met him outside and he said, why do you look for the living in the place of the dead? And yet my flesh, how many of you still came here in an earth suit you know the folks that couldn't make it today they're here in spirit can you feel them I can't but I have a flesh nature and the Bible tells me until I see Jesus and I am transformed that I will have to consider my flesh dead and take up my cross daily and walk in the spirit of God But my flesh keeps thinking that maybe there's something back that I missed. Maybe maybe if I try to fix my loneliness or if I try to fix my poverty, we do schemes and scams and we get hokey-doped and ripped off. All the time, we're loved of God. Our Father loves us. But we're not understanding that to the degree that you can come with your hands open. Lord, I'm so unworthy of everything. I don't deserve anything. I don't deserve salvation. I don't deserve anything except eternal punishment. But because you're so good and your grace is so gracious, I'll take everything. But lead me, God. Lead me to the package that Jesus bought for me. I think of most sins. They're things that God had for people, but it's premature. People that get caught in sexuality and sensuality, and God really wants us to be sexually fulfilled in the context of marriage, and yet our world is all about, hey, don't wait, man. You can, you can, you can get everything, and you can have such joy by your freedom, and We explore these avenues of freedom and we find out it leads to bondage. But there's something about that well-worn track to our prayer closet every day. Lord, it's me again. My life is in your hands. I can't fabricate the gifts. I can't go out and try to hustle them. But Lord, I'm here to open up Draw on your mercy for everything that I need, Lord. Think of it. Say everything that I need has been given and taken care of in the work of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you. I feel like I could have church on that thought.
I can have some church right now on that thought. Your dad loves you. And the next thing I have to say is that week after week, people come here and they're hoping that God's house isn't another scam. How many of you are tired of scams and rip-offs and oversells? But I want to tell you something. Coming to Jesus is never an oversell. He will stick closer to you than a brother. He will convey you from the kingdom of death and darkness to the kingdom of light and love and give you eternal life because of what Jesus did. Jesus paid completely, shed his blood to take away your sins and my sins. That if we believe in him, we call on his name, we can be saved, be transformed. People come in here and it's very similar. You see that look like, wow, these guys are getting something that I feel. I feel this presence of God. I don't understand it. It's okay. You don't have to understand fully the presence of God to know that there's a good God and he loves you. And if you're here and you're trying to turn over a new leaf, let me suggest more than a new leaf. How about a brand new life? That comes as we surrender. If we could all bow our eyes, bow our head and close our eyes for a moment. Last week, 11 people in, in the two services they gave their life to Jesus. They said, I want in, I want that eternal life. I'd like every one of you that came to this place looking for life, just to raise your hand and say, Pastor Steve, I want in. I want, I want Jesus to, to save me. I want to receive the payment he has for me. Maybe you're a backslider and you know, you, you're not feeling really good about your walk with God. I just want to tell you something. God's married to the backslider and he doesn't throw you away. You feel like you're walking through hell and you feel like you're violating the holiness that God has for you, but he doesn't throw you away. Right now, all over the building, raise your hand if you say, hey, I want in. Pray with me, pray for me that I would know Jesus. Okay, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just put... Do we have one, Johnny? Okay, right on. We have, okay, three, three folks right now. We're going to pray a prayer, which we encourage everyone, if you're a believer, pray this with, with us as well. Because there's no, it's never wrong to just invite Jesus into your life. I like doing it all the time. Dear Father, I thank you that you're the giver of every perfect gift. You gave Jesus, who gave his life, to give me freedom, to give me a brand new life. I acknowledge God, I don't know everything about you, but I do know that you're good. I do know that you're holy, and I want in the family. Your Bible says, that if I call on the name of the Lord, I would be saved. I'm calling God. Save me from the sins 
that have wrapped around me and that I've been guilty of. You also said, if I would call on your name, I would not be ashamed. Take away the shame from my life. I can't defend everything that I've done. And I thank you that you make me into a brand new person. Today, God, if you'll be my God, I'll be your servant. If you'll be my father, I'll be your child. I receive you today, dear Father. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Just before we turn this service over, I'd like to pray for the rest of us. And, and, and recently we did a class, and as we were sitting with five couples, Monday night after Monday night, and had a little soup and some training, I found out that most people feel kind of like a sense of low self-worth. I, I can't, I can't. And, and I have just really determined that, that I want to turn my polarity to, to get in people's grill and say, yeah, you can't. It never was gonna be about you huffing and puffing. You're, you're not the big bad wolf. No, we're more like the three little pigs. We need a good, good block house around us, you know. And so your life is not going to be formed and majorly blessed because you did everything. But you have a Savior that says to us, your low self-esteem is keeping you from looking at all the package. You don't even have the sometimes the courage to say, what exactly would all the wells of salvation look like if I opened them all up? Well, I guess I'll just be happy to go to heaven. And the Lord said, man, I'll be happy when you get here. But why would you waste the next 40, 50, 60 years waiting just for heaven when you can begin to unpackage some of those, many of those, if not all of those, right on earth? That's what I want to pray with you about. Lord, I pray that you would open the eyes of this beautiful group of people today. And Lord, that you would help us to see Jesus so willing, so laden with gifts. I can just kind of have a mental picture of the Father just chuckling as Jesus is distributing gifts through the Holy Spirit. Father's so tickled, so blessed to see that the offspring of his son Jesus that are multiplying by the hundreds of thousands and millions and your kingdom is expanding in the nations of the earth as you said it would. And Father's so tickled to see those gifts being poured out. Lord, I pray that you would untie the ribbon over the hearts of my friends here. Open our eyes, God restart our believer part of our heart that believes in good things believes that we can be restored to innocency that you really meant it when you said you cast our sins far from us help us Lord I pray Holy Spirit chase these guys down meet them in the night seasons and show them your love in a special way Lord
that we would open up the full package of all that you have for us, God. That we would not sit while Jesus' gifts lay unopened. Help us, God, to press in. I pray a blessing on each household, on each family, on each individual as we worship you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.